0: Hi, I'm Elena Pullen-Venema, Director of Gift Planning at the Community Foundation of Snohomish County. And this is Looking Forward, Giving Back. This podcast is a place for professional advisors, financial managers, attorneys, accountants, and other client-centered advisors to obtain key resources, tools, and information about charitable options that can help you meet your client's estate, financial, charitable, and tax-saving goals while also increasing diverse and equitable philanthropy in our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Looking Forward, Giving Back. I am so excited for our episode today because we are taking a little bit of a shift in terms of our regular sort of subject matter, where typically we talk to advisors and their clients sometimes about charitable giving as part Of overall financial and estate and tax planning. Today we're going to shift gears just a little bit and while we are going to still be talking to some super smart, knowledgeable, local, professional advisors, we are going to be talking a little bit more about how advisors work with nonprofits, in particular how CPAs and auditors work with nonprofit organizations. So joining us today, I am thrilled to welcome Machen Petrie, who is Vice President of Finance and Operations at Pacific Science Center, and Keaton Worson, who is the owner at Worson Nonprofit CPAs. So Machin and Keaton, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you guys want to go and just tell us a little bit about sort of your background and how you got to where you are in your professional life.
1: Great. Thanks for having us. As you mentioned, my name is Machen Petrie. I have been with the Pacific Science Center in the finance and operations lens since January of this year, so just over eight months. And this has been my first foray into the private nonprofit realm. My career up to date before that was all in public accounting, specifically auditing, where I focused in on uh, nonprofit accounting in particular. So I'm getting to see both sides of the table now. So I've been in the auditor seat and the single auditor seat and now working at a large nonprofit. I am going through audit process right now, being audited and going through my second single audit since I started.
2: Very good. And uh, thanks for having me as well. Uh, Worse in Nonprofit CPAs is a new venture with my wife and I the last few months. Uh, Previously, I worked with Machen in public accounting. I I started my career down in Seattle, working at Peterson Sullivan, and then worked at Larson Gross, a firm here up in Bellingham. And uh, now we've started our own practice focusing on working with nonprofits. I'm also on the board of Skagit Community Foundation. And so I get to see that side of things as well. And yeah, excited to kind of talk through some of kind of that push and pull relationship here.
0: Fantastic. So auditor-auditee relationships, that's, you know, I I know working in the nonprofit sector for many, many years, I have had been on the nonprofit side of things in terms of, um, of that work. And it's, and, you know, being part of small nonprofits in particular, that I've really been able to be a large part of not only choosing the auditors, but helping with the actual auditing process. I've always been curious about what the experience is like for other nonprofits, um, and then also from the auditor side. So first off, I wonder if maybe you could both speak to the question of, you know, at what point does a nonprofit really need an audit? Does every nonprofit, if you're a 501c3 nonprofit, need need to have an audit? If not, what are the pros and cons um, of having one?
2: Sure. I'll start us off here, and Machen, you can add in what you've seen. But In Washington state, there's gonna be a few ways to scope yourself into needing a financial statement audit. So there's a bit of nuance to all of these, but I'll just give the the short answers. The state requires, if you're a nonprofit with over $3 million of revenue, that you have an audit. That's pretty simple. Um, The federal government requires you to have a financial statement audit and more if you're over $750,000 of spending, not receipts, but spending, of federal dollars. That counts as money passed through the state agencies, but comes from the feds. So that'd be another one. Um, but what we see a lot with nonprofits is maybe they get a bank loan for a new facility and the the bank says they need a financial statement audit or really common going for a new big grant and the grant application requires you to submit your financial statement audit. That'll often take smaller nonprofits up to that next tier. They're trying for that big one. Well let's get an audit to get there. And sometimes that'll be kind of the final, the final check Mark needed.
1: Um, a lot of times the board will just want to get an audit as part of a healthy set of internal controls. If you haven't had an audit before ever, and you're getting bigger or more complicated, or you you know, you're about to grow a lot. Sometimes the board will want to come in and have an audit done just to take a look at your Internal controls. There's other ways you can do it outside of an audit. You could just get, have a consultant come in and take a look at your internal controls, or get a financial review done. There's a lot of different um, options out there, but I know a lot of times it can be board-driven or management-driven. From that okay, it's. So a, uh, go
2: ahead. Go ahead, Keaton. What are you going Yeah, that's. What I was just going to say that's a great point. With. Um, what kind of differentiating when you, when you get a set of financial statements, they don't have to be audited. You can get, you can just get your financial statements. Um, You can get them compiled, just put together by a CPA. You can get them reviewed, but that audit takes it up to the next level of saying that these, these financial statements really do look good. And not only that, but the, the processes used to generate the financials are good. So that's where that internal control piece comes in. And that's, I guess the, hidden part of an audit you don't see that in a set of financial statements but that's that extra piece that lets the board know that things are operating smoothly um, as they should that's the boards you know not not get rid of their duties of oversight and care but have some extra assurance that what they're being told is happening actually is so if i would say part of your question there was you know when when to get an audit well If any of these reasons are coming into play, go ahead and have your audit. But if there is some wiggle room, you know, if you're a small organization going for that grant, and an audit is going to cost a whole lot, and you're not sure if you're going to get this grant, pick up the phone, call the the granting agency and ask them, hey, would uh, my Form 990 do? Uh, could I get a financial statement compilation? You know, ask about the cheaper options and just see what they're willing to accept. A lot of grantors, a lot of banks will put the word audit there, but will be more than willing to accept something lesser. So um, just kind of depending on the why behind uh, that audit need, there might be some wiggle room.
0: Oh, that's great advice. I, I wouldn't even have thought of that. And one question that I had is, so are there different levels of audit? Is it either you get your financial statements reviewed by uh, a CPA, and then the next step is a full audit, or is there a sort of a mini version of an audit and then an audit pro
1: <laughs> kind of version? Um, yeah, there's there's some different options out there. Um, in terms of audits, I mean, there's a full financial statement audit, obviously, but if you, let's say you really just cared about that internal control piece, you could have them come in and do just a a... An audit of just your internal controls as a consulting engagement, it would not be allow you to get any ins- assurances over your financials. So you couldn't you couldn't give your financial statements to a grantor or a bank and say these are audited financials. Right. But if you wanted them to do a deep dive into one part of your financials for you, they could do a performance audit just over that piece of your financials, and it would be cheaper.
2: Yeah, I would say you you're highlighting a great point there, which is. The word audit gets tossed around to mean a whole bunch of things. And so that's, I guess, just to kind of double down on my previous point. Um, you don't want to just assume when you see audit that that means you have to pay top dollar for a financial statement audit if you don't want to have an audit otherwise. And so if that's the, if the driving force is, hey, we've got this grant we really want it says audit, like you said, Machen, There's there's the other level of what people might call audit. But even with financial statements, as I mentioned, there's those next levels down. There's a financial statement review that involves a lot less looking at documentation, a lot more questions being asked. And even below that, there's a financial statement compilation. That's just a kind of like a quick graze over the financials. We'll correct things if we see anything wrong, but mostly we're just taking your information and putting them into a financial statement form. And... I hear all the time granting agencies, banks, boards, lots, everyone (laughs) calling all of those audits. And so if you as the nonprofit know the differences, you're in a really good spot to then go to whoever's requiring that of you and ask for a clarifier. Can we save money and get one of these lesser, lower scoped uh, engagements?
1: Oh, good to know. So from the auditee side, which I'm, I'm really starting to appreciate now having been in the auditor seat for so long. Getting an audit is not just, it is definitely a strain on your team to pull together all of the support for an audit. So it's not just a financial decision of can we afford an audit or not? You really need to think about, do we have bandwidth on our team to take on an audit? Because it is a lot of support gathering And if you're pretty strained in your day-to-day just to get through your day-to-day accounting, month-end close, all of that stuff, you're adding on an extra project layer to that. That being said, if you plan ahead, it's not as bad. So if you know that the audit is coming, you can make sure that you're gathering the support that the auditors will need as you're doing your entries at the end of the year or at the end of the month and you have all that support ready to go, it makes it a lot easier. Once you've done an audit a few times, you'll get the cadence for the type of things that they're going to ask for and want to see. And so if you're doing a really good job of your documentation throughout the year, then it's just a matter of pulling together what they want to see at the end of the year. It's not to say that it still isn't time consuming, because it is, so it's a little bit less so. So yeah, I mean, I would just anticipate, I mean, everybody knows that year-end close takes a lot longer than your regular month-end closes. It's a busy time of year, and as you're going through that process, you're just pulling aside the pieces that the auditors are going to want to see, and then they're going to drill into some more detailed transactional level support. And you'll need to dig in and find all the invoices and payments and other pieces of support to back up individual transactions.
2: And then before I dive in too much, Machen, I'm kind of curious now that you're on the other side getting to see this. um, So much of the auditees, the nonprofit organization's uh, role in an audit is completed. Like, I don't know, 80%, something like that. Like a lot of it is completed before the auditor would say they've even began. Right. And so I guess, I'll talk more on that in a bit, but what's what's that like? That process that the auditor doesn't really even get to see, what are some of those frustrations or even just maybe walk through that process a bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, really, but I think it's part of everybody's standard year-end procedures, but you're closing down the month and you, you're reconciling all of your balance sheet accounts. That's a lot of what the auditors are gonna look at is those reconciliations. But it's just looking at them with the eye of well the auditor's probably going to ask to see these so i want it to be really clear and i i want to be really honed in on our year-end balances and could go through it with the fine tooth comb make sure it's looking good um so it i guess it's it's really just taking that deeper dive than you normally would on a month end close because you know oh. they're-
2: yeah got it yeah on the auditor's side we'll we'll set with the the nonprofit with our client the audit field work week and so that used to be the week we would go out the team of a few people go out on site and sit down um you know wherever wherever we get put sometimes it's a nice big conference room other times it's as far away from civilization as they can put us um but in either scenario, it was us going out to the client site. Well, fieldwork has kind of kept its name through these COVID and changing times. But increasingly, uh, fieldwork, the realization has been, oh, fieldwork can happen almost entirely remotely, uh, if not if not entirely. Okay. Um, and so there's been websites like SureLink and others that are secure file share, um, request list, that sort of back and forth communication other than just email uh, that have come out. Um, Yeah. So on the, on the auditor's side, we're agreeing on that field work week. And then most of what's being done is on the nonprofit side, getting ready for that field work, getting all our requests to us. So on the auditor side, we have a little bit that we're doing there. We're planning for the audit. We're meeting internally to talk about who's going to be on the team and and what the process is going to look like what the significant audit areas are we should focus on how to be a little unpredictable in the audit this year so if we ask for something this year we didn't before it's not a mistake we're intentionally not trying to design our audits so that it can't be guessed exactly what it is we're doing um those sorts of things we're getting we're getting ready for it but we're probably only doing about i don't know 10 to 25 percent of our audit before that field work week and so it's at that week that we agree on that I want to champion the all audit firms and the nonprofits to be very clear with that week. That that week needs to be one where the auditors have their whole team has capacity. You want to you don't want to schedule that where you're double booking people. Everyone needs to be able to be focused on that work. And the auditee side, oftentimes there's external deadlines, internal commitments various reasons they want to get it done, but I see way too often nonprofits be like, let's go, let's, let's meet this, let's get this fieldwork right. done. We agreed on this date and they're not ready. And so to Machen's point earlier, um, this, ta- it takes a lot. And if you're not ready, there's no hiding once the audit field work starts, you know, you either have the information available or you don't. And if you're not ready, you're not doing yourself any favors because all that does is make the audit drag on and on and on. And so I think I, I just see a lot of harmonies created when both are in agreement. Yes, we are working towards certain deadlines, but let's just not start this thing until we're both ready for it. And then when we are, we can knock it out real quick.
0: Okay. And typically how long does an audit take? Like what, what's when you say knock it out real quick, like what's, what's that mean? So a week of field work,
2: Yep, sure. So well, uh, it's going to be different. I work with a lot of small, medium-sized nonprofits. Right. So I'd love to hear Machen's perspective here. But for my for my side, I say a week of field work. That's really just more of a mindset. I'd like my client and myself and my team to think of the audit as let's dedicate a week to having this be our priority. Now, it's not on the client side. It's not going to be your whole week because again, you've done most of it before field work. But it should be your priority that week. And for my team it is what you're going to be doing that, that week. Um, Not all of it needs to be on site, even back in the days when it was on site and it's not all going to be interactive. A lot of it will be, you know, going through files and documentation and ticking and tying and making sure if the donor said that this is restricted for a particular purpose, that, that is how it was tracked and that sort of thing. Um, So yeah, your attention is, on the audit on the auditees side, is quite a bit of work leading up, about a week for a small and medium organization, and then perhaps a couple of weeks for wrap up and getting a draft and facilitating board meetings and stuff like that. Okay. Machen, how about on the bigger organization?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, since we're we're pretty large, we do have an interim field work, so um, the one week could be quite a crunch to get through everything that we have for an audit. So the auditors like to have a, an interim field work week where they test some of the areas that they're interested in and then kind of give us a breather and then we'll have our final field work week. And that interim field work week, another good thing about doing that is that we can give them a preliminary trial balance for them to pull selections for the interim testing. So we don't have to have it nailed down to a T audit worthy trial balance for them to do this level of testing. And then we can continue to wrap up and put a bow on our year end numbers in time for the final field work where we will give them our final numbers at that point and they'll do the rest of their testing. So for our purposes, they break it up a little bit and then we have the single audit as well. So we have, a second audit that will we
2: go through okay and you should before just glance past that why don't you highlight the differences i i get this question all the time okay i need a single audit well why do i need a financial statement audit also and if i don't need a single audit i don't need a financial statement just help me understand that machin
1: right so you're if you're Part of a single audit is that you have to have a financial statement audit, so there you're not going to have a single audit without a financial statement audit. So if you, you know, trip that seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar in in spending of federal dollars threshold, and you have to have a single audit, get ready for a financial statement audit as well. It's just yeah, gonna right. come with the package. But the difference, they're they're quite different in the type of support that the auditors are going to ask for. For the single audit, they're really drilling into your internal controls. So when you're pulling support for a single audit, my piece of advice is to test your controls yourself. So um, I'm pulling support for the single audit right now, and I know they're looking at our payroll transactions, and they want to see certain controls operating. They wanna see a review of the trial of the timesheets. They want to see that the pay rate was approved. So as I'm pulling those pieces of support for them, I wanna make sure it's really clear that you can see that that this approval happened over this. And if I can't find an obvious piece of support for it, I might have to dig through and find an email or something else that can support it. You know, kind of do the, do the audit of your internal controls yourself before you hand it over to the auditors. Well you you don't want to pay the auditors to come back to you with a bunch of questions. You want to solve the questions yourself and not, not <laughs> pay the point. Rate.
2: Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> it's such a it's such a good point there, like just getting that done and and as if you're thinking, well, how do I audit controls myself? What's that mean? You know, just look at your processes. Say like watch yourself work, you know, as you're, as you're sending out payments, uh, that have, are connected to federal dollars, um, watch what you do. And after you're done, think, is that documented? Uh, I remember quite well working with an mate in the auditor and she's a stickler for, is it documented? And rightfully so, you know, if you, uh, the procurement rules are important, you know, if you're going Spending certain amount over a certain threshold, so we're looking for this type of service, and it's going to be over ten thousand uh, dollars. You got to get multiple bids. Well, have that process for what it is you do documented. Don't just tell your auditor, "Yeah, we got multiple bids." Have that all well documented. You're going to save yourself a lot of trouble on the back end.
0: Oh, that's great advice. That's great advice. So, wonder if you guys could speak to the question of what should a nonprofit look for when choosing an auditor that we at the Community Foundation, we implemented a formal RFP process a couple of years ago in terms of choosing uh, an auditor. But do you have any advice, I'm thinking you in particular, that in terms of choosing the firm that is going to do your audit, um, sure, it depends on things like size and past experience, et cetera, et cetera. But are there sort of some best practices from the nonprofit's point of view? Yeah, I
1: think one area that we didn't talk about in terms of, Benefits of getting an audit or why you get an audit is that your auditors also serve as your resource throughout the year. So, as as someone who's, even though I have an audit background, I was so used to having a firm full of people that I could bounce ideas off of when something complicated came up. Then I went into private and realized that I need to figure all of this out. So, having the CPA from the audit firm there as a resource throughout the year as as odd things came up where i just wanted to know you know ask a question about what to do and they have a whole firm full of people that you know with experts there who can help you through stuff like that that has been such a helpful resource to have so you really want to pick a firm that would have experience in areas that pertain to your organization and where you have a good relationship with them. There's somebody that you want to reach out to and talk to throughout the year and to be a trusted advisor for you. So you're going to end up spending a lot of time throughout the audit. It's a pretty involved process. You're going to spend a lot of time talking with them. And throughout the year, you're going to want to be reaching out to them for questions. So I think that relational piece is really important. There's somebody that you trust and feel like you'd want to ask questions
2: of such a good point i'm obviously biased here but i'll kind of speak to just expand on what you're saying there mate and it's how you how you pick it can be quite difficult i like the rfp process cuz you can get a few different options at once and so i think that's that part is great that's great advice but then yeah realizing not it shouldn't be just up to the board um, obviously the board is the one hiring the accounting firm but bring in your CFO or your director of finance or whoever's whoever's going to be working primarily with the accounts and see if they like them, who you want to pick. Make sure there's a decent personality fit, someone yes. that they'd like yes. working with, because it's a big chunk of their year, you know, working with these people and they want to, they should feel comfortable going like Machen just described throughout the year to their CPA for questions. And so, um, yeah, not just making that decision in a silo. Not assuming the accounting staff is too busy, let's make this decision for them, but asking for their input, I think, I think is great. And then Maiton, to your point of the questions throughout the year, once once the CPA firm's been selected, lean on that. One of my biggest frustrations as an auditor is coming in. And there's some big new thing that I had no idea about, and it's not been account- even thought about, you know, how to, how to account for this. I love helping throughout the year. So if you got a new capital campaign, or you got this big pledge, a um, donor's made a big pledge, and you're not sure if you recognize it now or later, um, whatever the circumstances might be. Oh, one of my recent favorites. You've got a new lease and the lease is only a dollar a year, right? It's a discounted lease. How do you recognize that? Is it in-kind lease? How do those things work? Um, Call your CPA before the audit. No, if you're solving those things during an audit, it's an audit finding that gets reported to your board. Um, If you figure it out throughout the year with the guidance and assistance from your CPA, it's not. And uh, maybe that's a good question to ask your auditor in, in the, when choosing is, how do they charge for those types of projects? Some CPAs will be very clear that anything outside the scope of the audit, they're gonna charge for. Others will build that into their audit fee. And so you can ask them questions or have hour long conversations throughout the year without having to pay extra for it. So really lean on that, utilize that. That's a underutilized service, I'd say from the nonprofit's perspective.
1: Yeah. That's That's some great insight. A very good point to be really clear about how their fee structure works. I personally really prefer the fee structure where it's just built into your audit fee and you're not chart, you're not nickel and dime throughout the year for asking questions and it's just it's just baked in there because then I don't I don't I don't have any hesitancy to reach out about something. I mean, obviously, if a question that I have turns out to be so big in scope that it's a separate project they might have a separate statement of work for right. helping with that. But for the most part, it makes, it just takes that feeling of, oh, if I reach out, I'm gonna have to pay for it. So is it worthwhile to reach out? Is this actually a question they need to ask them about? It's just more peace of mind to have it built into the fee structure. So I really prefer that, um, yeah. but you know, it depends on your company. Maybe you'd rather get a lower audit fee and you don't want to utilize those services throughout the year. So. Right. Friends. Right. Now, that,
0: that's what some great insights. But, you know, and again, kind of speaking to your both the the earlier points that, that both of you had about how important prep work is on the, on the part of the nonprofit. And that, you know, like you were saying, Kate, if, if you know, if you have a question, you have a big campaign coming up, you have a question about how to account for it or the dollar lease question it's better to deal with it now and figure it out and then move on as opposed to it coming back to bite you during the actual audit process, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, you got it. And it's it's so, I understand the, the tug to just like get, you know, everyone's crunch for time. And so you've got this new thing and oh, we'll figure it out at audit. Right. But um, while well, that logically makes sense, it's just, it's backwards. And let's, even if you don't solve the whole thing now, alert your CPA because Maybe all the research and stuff you think you need to do. Maybe they've dealt with this a dozen times and right. can send you some information and cut out a big part of what you think of as the burden. And so it can be quite helpful. And you know, on the auditor side, um, to my to my fellow auditors out there, uh, you know, when I'm I don't want to be the the cheapest proposal when there is an RFP process because, like Machen said, I'm building into my fee uh that extra time that i hope my clients will utilize throughout the year and for me it's a good scoping am i a good fit for this organization if an organization just simply is looking for the lowest fee that's that's not who i want to be i don't want to just do it i want to help in those times throughout the year and so i think that's that's just something as as auditors to think through what it is you want to do and then be clear because there are those that do just want to help you check that box and move along but um I know at my practice, that's what Machen's describing. That's what we love doing. The audit is a necessary evil, um, but but actually helping throughout the year on, it might be a very specific accounting topic. It might be strategizing about the budget, various things. Um, Love being part of that.
1: Yeah, this is also in terms of, Things that I really like about the auditors or would want in an auditor. This is something that I know Keaton and I, when we work together, were very insistent about as auditors. And now on the other side, I am I really appreciate it and like to receive this is checking in frequently, somewhat frequently. For instance, field work, like Keaton mentioned, it's really becoming a lot more virtual. You're not really going on site anymore when Keaton and I were aud- auditing together, we insisted on a daily check-in over Teams or Zoom or whatever between the auditors and the auditee, so that we just had one time each day during field work that we were checking in and able to just talk through stuff. And when you're getting this big list of requests and there's just a huge list of support that you need to pull, being able to just hop on a call and talk through some stuff makes a world of difference, and Not I sure. think, yeah, even though it's becoming a virtual world, just finding auditors who are willing to hop on that call and have check-ins with you, ha- have a check-in about the audit a few months in advance of the audit, just to you know make sure you're on the same page and you know what to expect, and maybe have a check-in in the middle of the year, just, just hey, what's going on, anything we can help with, those are so valuable. On the auditee side, I really, really appreciate them. Oh, that's great to know. Now let's go. So if you never ever see your auditor shop around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice.
0: Excellent. Well, you guys, this has been amazing. And I want to be conscious of of our time. But I could talk with you guys about this stuff forever and ever and ever. But we only have a short amount of time for the podcast today. So maybe we'll have to do an audit tour 2.0 um podcast episode at some point. Sounds and, like, fun. But thank you so much. And before we say goodbye though, I want to ask you some not a non-auditing question. So what do you guys do for fun? What do you do when you're when you're not auditing or preparing for an audit
1: uh so i have a small farm that i work on which i guess sounds like more work but it's very fun work for me that's so cool yeah so i'm i'm out there tending to goats and chickens and um pulling veggies out of the ground and stuff that is very cool i had no idea nation wow
2: And then instead of forcing you to say what I want you to also say, I'll just say it also. Uh, I haven't done it since the pandemic started, but um, I really enjoyed improv of which Machen and I did together and she's a beast at it and it's continued on and that's so good. So there's a little plug for her. Um, But my, on my personal side, my wife is a CPA as well. And uh, we're raising four little boys and having a blast with that. Um, when we find time to you know do something else we like to just get together with friends play games uh go we live uh, near lake whatcom so go to lake whatcom for a swim and that sort of thing so a lot of a lot of family oriented stuff uh, probably for the next decade for me nice
1: I like how you started mine with a plug for another hobby that i have <laughs>
0: Okay, we are definitely doing the 2.0 version of this because I want to talk all about your guys' improv
2: because that is pretty cool. <laughs> I've
0: never had advisors who oh, do improv on before.
1: Yeah. We well,
2: little... I think I can go, if I, if I can plug, go out on this. Uh, Machen is one of the coolest people I've ever met. So if you get a chance <laughs> to know her, definitely do.
1: Uh-huh. So, good OK. Oh, very cool. Well,
0: you guys, you're the best. I really appreciate your time this morning. I know you have a busy morning full of meetings, so I'll let you guys go, but thanks so much for everything that you're doing for our community and for our nonprofits. Um, just greatly appreciated.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having us.
0: Well, that's another episode of looking forward, giving back. I hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast is sponsored by the Community Foundation of Snohomish County, a 501c3 registered nonprofit in the state of Washington. Check out our website at www.cf-sc.org forward slash plan. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest on the podcast, let me know by emailing me at Elena at cf-sc.org. Thanks to all the professional advisors out there for all you do for your clients and for our community to make it a better place right now and for generations to come.
1: See you soon.